0: What's the real history of the legendary comedy store in Los Angeles, California? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of The Mind Dog TV Podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here. As always, we're going to have some laughs tonight. Uh, This show is more for my entertainment than anything else. um, My guest tonight is somebody... You know how this show was uh, based on a story, if you've listened to the show, you know the story about a guy who told me I was living his dream. Well, uh... My guest tonight is living my dream. He's le- he's lived my dream, and uh, so I'm really excited to talk to him tonight. Got to reach through the sponsors really quickly. New sponsor, fairly New sponsor, mybookie.com. Ooh, mybookie.com uh, is one of the most popular and trusted brands in the online gambling community. Its sports book offers an incredible variety of sports, from American staples such as football and basketball to international sports such as foot uh, as such as uh, KBO, excuse me, uh, Rugby and Cricket. Uh, It even offers wages on entertainment and politics and simulated sports uh, and video games such as Madden 21 and NBA uh, 2K21. If you're looking for a line on your favorite TV show, you can most certainly find it at MyBookie. Betting on the plots of TV shows, this is what we've become. Uh, MyBookie's casino options are as plentiful as its sports books. There are 27 different table games, such as Blackjack and Roulette, and almost 300 unique slot options, 77 of which are in three. 3d you can even play live table games and video poker which would be my thing if i go to mybookie.com, i'm heading right over to the uh video poker tables anyway you get started it's really easy You just go to mybookie.com, use the promo code mind dog promo code mind dog and you're gonna get a special match saving a uh, match betting offer for your first i don't know daily bet whatever it is uh but you make sure when you go to mybookie.com, you use uh the promo code mindog As I mentioned, my guest tonight uh, really has lived my dream. Uh, if you want to know what my dream is, uh entails things like uh, getting to be friends with and hang out with people like Andy Kaufman, and richard pryor among others uh just incredible uh little story here joey gainer been a stand-up comedian and actor he's from new jersey uh so at some point in his uh young life he decided to head out to la and uh become a stand-up comedian he was in the television shows uh like Fridays, uh, if you remember, Fridays it was ABC's uh, alternative to Saturday Night Live when that when that came out, and Andy Kaufman was responsible for <laughs> that getting thrown off the air too, as I as I remember. Uh, it, and then he also uh, became friends with Andy Kaufman at that point while working on Fridays. And then uh, Richard Pryor kind of took him under his wing and had him as an opening actor when Richard Pryor was doing all those great specials that were uh, now part of, you know, the legend of Richard Pryor. So he's uh, uh, in the film uh, Comedy's Dirty Dirty Dozen, with uh, where he co stars with C- uh, Chris Rock and Tim Allen and uh, the legendary Bill Hicks. Guys led an incredible life in comedy. And, you know, right now, uh, Showtime has a special series, that mini series, on the history of the comedy store. Uh, Joey's a guy who's lived it been backstage, knows all the stories and stuff that didn't make it into uh, the Showtime special. So I'm just as pleased and and happy as can be to have him here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome Joey Gaynor to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Joey, welcome. Oh, I think you're muted. You're you're muted. How's that? That's better. Now we can hear you.
1: Yeah, I bought these gamer headphones, and I don't game, so... This is uh, all new to me, but it work, They work okay. Does it sound all right? Everything. Does yeah, it ta- it
0: sounds wonderful. Yes, it so- it sounds like you're a professional DJ. Now, well, why you. did you why did you buy the gaming headphones for if you're not a gamer?
1: Uh, they were like seventeen bucks. Okay. And they sound <laughs> great. They sound. <laughs> they great. do. And they work. That's the cool thing. So. Yeah, they uh, do.
0: I I think most podcasters would probably do better with that than what they actually use well, a lot of. The time. I'll give
1: you an example of like. You know, this is what I guess millennial guys are doing in the basement. They're, you know, these light up when you plug in the USB thing. So I guess they feel like they're really killing goblins or whatever the hell they're doing down there. Or maybe it lights up when they, you know, reach the... uh, You know, it's really funny about a lot of millennial young men. They think that uh, having a steak and then masturbating is a date night. So it's... uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> pretty scary, is what we're looking at here.
0: Yeah, wow, uh, you know, it, the generational thing definitely gets me. I'm not sure exactly where they draw the lines from. You I, know. Know, geez, I mean, geez, even X's China movies.
1: allows you to have one kid. Come on, you know. So, <laughs> <Right>. Jeez, <believe.
0: laughs> what are you drinking there?
1: Squirt, diet squirt. Not a. I just I drink diet. So I'm a type two diabetic.
0: Oh, you too. So, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. You've one too. You're-
0: no, no. Uh, Craig, who I know, you know, our, our mutual friend, Craig, right. it was on the program the other night. We all, all, it's, we talked about that for a, a good part of the program. Yeah, it, uh, uh,
1: the funny thing about being type 2 diabetic is when the holidays roll around, and I don't know if we'll have gatherings this year, but uh, I have to take my blood after I eat like two hours later to see what my sugar level is. And you take the, the apparatus out as a little a tester, and you put the test, and you prick your finger, and, and, uh and people would my relatives together what is that hey what's that So I'm testing my blood hey do mine can you do mine you do my hey it's not a fucking game boy give me a break <laughs> right I score on this and they cut off your arm wow. so,
0: Oh, man
1: uh, yeah they don't they just don't get it and uh, you know and I love how people pronounce it you have the diabetes yeah I have the diabetes yeah diabetes. <laughs> and uh, or the sugar <laughs> The sugar, hey, he's got the sugar, he's got the yeah. Sugar. Now, in the 80s, the sugar was something else, right?
0: If you had the
1: sugar, you probably got the pussy, but that's a whole other story,
0: <laughs> really. I well, yeah, but you you didn't want to use it then. I, I, at least in my experience, it, it kind of killed your libido. That that sugar,
1: <laughs> I, I wasn't into, you know what? As funny as it may seem in all that time in the 80s, I wasn't into that stuff. I never, I always, the couple of times I actually did coke, it felt like. I went to the dentist, and he didn't do anything. Right, and I didn't. <laughs> it wasn't like I had epiphanies or anything. It was like I, I was like, wow, I think I'm gonna have a headache. My nose burns. What the hell right. was in there? And, right, uh Yeah, it was. Uh, I would be at a party, like with Sam Kennison, uh, rest his soul. Anyway, I would be, or should I, or if it was Sam, it's more like. Rrr, rrr, rrr. So, uh. uh you'd be at a party and he would come out and i go no i don't do that what do you mean i don't do coke oh you know what's the matter and i'm like well more for you will you oh yeah man no no he's cool no it's okay dinner's cool it's cool <clears throat> you know and he would put the coke on pictures of celebrities that uh, like a picture of him with billy idol or somebody and then he would put the coke on there and snort and snort with your favorite singer you know <laughs>
0: Well, oh, that dog. first of all, kudos for being able to do a Sam Kinison without really breaking the <laughs> decibel meter, uh, because I don't know anybody who can do that control the way you just did it. I tried to do it several nights ago because I had a musician on and it, 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 he was a young original musician. And I said, uh, uh, look at my face. I said, are, are you aware of Sam Kinison? And the kid, No like, you don't know Sam Kinison? So I had to kind of tell him to, you know, this is what he's going to look like in 30 years using <laughs> Sam Kinison's bit. But, of course, I like was way in the red line. You seem to have that, be able to be able to shout in Sam's voice without getting too loud, which is a very controlled.
1: <laughs> I, I've had the, the good fortune to meet really great impressionists, and they all said the same thing. the, the, the Your best impressions are people you actually meet. Right. Because yeah. when you meet him, then you become absorbing Jr. You're just taking it all in, you know. Right. Yeah. He loses his mouth like this, his jaw. And, and so with Sam, he would walk around his house like I'm sitting on his couch one night. There's nobody there. I'm sitting on his couch. We called it the Elliott House because you could look out off the balcony, the view we could see all the way to Whittier. You could see way, all the way from the Hollywood Hill there. It's up above the Marmont, the Chateau Marmont. And I'm sitting there on the couch just looking smoking a joint my feet up and he walks by and he goes oh he's enjoying my life and he <laughs> it just keeps it going in the other room and i'm like man when he comes back and goes you like my life go ahead and enjoy some more and he goes to the other room <laughs>
0: it's just wow. so, um
1: it's, just, uh, it's just nutty you know you're, you're but, talking
0: about hanging out with sam kennison i don't know if people uh, you know can grasp what, what that is but was this before he was the biggest, yeah. As big as he was? Yeah, or as
1: actually, some of the pictures I sent you, there's some from Westwood there. There's one of me and Carla Bow. Um, um, you want to take a look at
0: him? Let me let me see. Sure,
1: just pop him up there. Um,
0: let's That's see. my so, name
1: on the wall at the comedy store.
0: But I, I wanted to ask you about this. Was Johnny Carson actually at the... Con- uh, yes. like, he, he didn't perform
1: yes. there, yes. did he? Yes, yes. One of the greatest stories ever told. Sometimes I think I should tell it like this. Uh, (laughs) It was a weeknight, and comedian Jeff Altman, and if you have ever seen the movie American Hot Wax, he's Tony Roletti, hey, 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 come on, open the door. He tries to bribe the guy to get the records to Alan Freed. Hey, come on, come on. So uh, Jeff is on stage doing Johnny Carson. He did a remarkable Carson. Uh, is the doc in? He would do. He was doing Love Story. Johnny Carson, if he starred in Love Story, would, <laughs> yeah. how's he doing? Is Doc here? Is Doc here tonight? Is Doc Doc's not it? You know, and that was a big joke because uh, Doc would be replaced by Tommy Newsom or whatever. So uh, is the doc in? So he's doing the bit now. Next door, Buddy Rich and his orchestra are playing in the main room, and they're there like for five days or whatever, and they're they're doing their concert thing over there and. and Johnny Carson, of course, is a ridiculous Buddy Rich fan. Right. He's in the main room. So Ollie Joe Prater and uh, uh, Argus Hamilton and a couple of guys go and get Johnny Carson. I think Lou Deck was involved. And they go and get Johnny Carson. I'm working the door. And Ollie Joe Prater, uh, I think I, I might have a picture of him here. I think I did. Comes running up to me. He goes, look at, look at. And I see this guy with white hair wandering sauntering up to the stage well i'm the doorman and the MC, and i'm like hey i'll get that i thought he's telling me get that drunk he's going uh-huh. up and i start to run he goes no no it's johnny carson and i'm like holy uh-huh. shit you know i've already thrown john McEnroe out you know now i'm gonna throw out johnny carson so i just freeze and i'm watching and he goes on stage with jeff altman and uh altman, and, and altman just loses it he loses it the audience the explosion of, of applause is dynamic. And Jeff just uh, uh, finishes some of the bit, and he can't really. He's so stunned. And he turns the mic over to Johnny, and Johnny did his monologue from the night before and that night that would be <laughs> on The Tonight Show that night. So he did about eight or ten minutes and, and just killed. I mean, walked on, killed. Brought uh, Jeff Altman back up and said, We got to have him on the show. And of course, uh, he didn't have him on. But um, uh, it was he definitely did perform there. Uh, one night, Pat McCormick came to the club, and I was the doorman MC along with Harris Pete and John Machowski and Doug McEwen and Lou Deck and a host of other depraved individuals. And we were working the door. So we had power. <laughs> Actually, we did. We were in charge of the boat. Now, this is a major. I mean, I'm 24 years old and 25 years old. I'm counting thousands of dollars out at the end of the night. It's like good fellas, You got all this money floating around. Wow. So, yeah, it, it was a major business. It was uh, at that by this time. So it's around 1980. So it's a Saturday night and this Mercedes pulls in. It's between shows. Mercedes Benz pulls into the uh, parking lot and a big, big guy gets out with a beautiful blonde lady and they get out. and It's Pat McCormick and he's <laughs> he. I, I immediately, the wheels are turning, and I run over and I go, excuse me, sir, my name's Joey Gaynor, I'm the MC and host here, and I'm also in charge of celebrities when they come, so you're not hassled by, the, the you know, the fans and everything. Come on in, I'll get you set up now with a table, everything will be fine. No, don't worry about it. Oh, thank you, thank you. So we get him in, and I get him in his day table Nobody's been seated yet, so the room's empty. Give him a really nice booth. He gives me a $20 bill. And, oh, thank you, sir, thank you. And as I walk away from the table... He says, would you please tell Mitzi Shore that Pat McCormick says hello? And I go, okay, sure. And I turn around, and I walk like three, four steps, and I stop. And I spin around, and I walk back to the table, and I go, what would you say your name is? He goes, Pat McCormick. And I went, oh, no, get up, get up, get out, get out. I thought you were William Conrad. Come on, get out of here. And- <laughs> He loved it. I mean he was had such a I knew he was, I, I was I was crossing my fingers that I was right, his sense of humor. And he, oh, he loved it. He gave me a big uh, hug and he gave me two twenties. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Yeah. Oh my it was God. great. Yeah. It's you, that's the kind of stuff I love remembering.
2: Yeah, and, but uh, in
0: that story you you kind of just like zoomed over throwing uh Roll out, which is s gotta be a story in itself. Oh,
1: this is another one, okay. On uh, uh, Monday night. Before you uh, go there,
0: though, I want to ask you, what kind of brass balls do you have to go to grab Johnny Carson at uh, a, a, a watching Buddy Rich? you got to have, like, the biggest. No, um,
1: bra- uh, <laughs> the, you know what? It was – Argus had done the Tonight Show by then, I believe, and uh, it was just a thing where he's there. Come on, let's get him over here. This is a one-time thing. And uh, uh it's just – it's I what we did. But, you know what yeah. we were so used to? We were so used to having major people come in the room that talk. After a while, I could talk to anybody, anywhere. I could be at an airport and uh, and see some actor who's sitting there and everybody's scared to talk. And I could walk right up and talk to him. Because yeah. I was literally because I was a doorman. And you would talk. I'll give you an example. Um some of the celebrities that would come in, like when Richard Pryor was there, Andre Crouch comes in with Reverend Jesse Jackson. And these are two Christian men coming to see Richard Pryor. And I'm like, oh, there is hope in the world. And uh, and you you meet them and you, you don't. People are like, uh, and to me, it was like, there's two of you, right? There's just two. You don't have anybody else. All right, come on. Uh, I'm going to put you in Mitzi's booth right here and Paul Mooney's going to sit there, so I'm going to put you guys here. Is that cool? You know, right. and you, you learn to talk that way to people. I met Charlton Heston while Pryor was there, and this is, and I love Charlton Heston. The guy was actually more, uh, he was not as right-wing as people think. It was all about the guns, but otherwise, he, he marched right. with Dr. Martin Luther King, and, he, you know, and then guys get old and scared, so then they, they're scared of anybody that's darker. Anyway, <laughs> 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 oh, look at him, and young people are scared of old age that's why they don't hug old people he's got old age i'll get some but right. uh, me i just turned 65 i'm actually 23 i just have very slow progeria <laughs> now um charlton heston came in one night to see richard Pryor, and i'm uh, working the door and I'm, I'm always in a shirt and tie and cigar and very danny thomas i grew up watching make room for daddy that's what really spurred me to really want to be a comedian hey this guy works at night and then he's home all day with a sweater on great <laughs> so uh, the kids don't they drive nuts but then the horns play and it's great so <laughs> this is the perception that we had when we were all little kids in the right. early because we're four years old watching reruns and you don't know that that's so anyway anyway but it, it, i i always tried on fridays and saturday nights i dressed well because it was uh, friday and saturday night right. and uh uh and now i've talked myself where i forgot where i was going with this hang on a second it's not uh, alzheimer's it's
0: Charl- charlton heston coming oh, to yeah, the club yeah. it's not
1: alzheimer's it's my new sponsor anyway uh uh no i'm kidding uh, they don't sponsor me it would be great if they did i'd save a lot of money all right the point is charlton heston <laughs> comes in He's going to see and he's actually wearing like a like a, a cavalry kind of shirt kind of cowboyish cavalry the buttons like a John Wayne and he's got the pants on and the boots he's got the pants tucked in the boots and he comes up and he's it's fucking Moses I mean the guy is like it, he might as well have oh, grown up been 15 feet tall hey. I turn around and here comes Moses in a John Wayne uniform like a, and he comes up and he and I say to him uh, Mr. Hedston, uh, and before I get another word out, he sticks his hand out. I shake his hand, and he goes, my friends call me Charlie. You can call me Charlton. <laughs> okay, Charlton, nice to meet you. Uh, how many with you? <sighs> Not exactly sure. I was meeting a couple of fellows. Uh, one's a gospel singer. Maybe you've heard of him, Andre Crouch. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, they should be here any minute. I, I actually, this all is the same night. So they came in later, and that's when I put them with Heston. So anyway, Heston is there, and I said, uh, boy, you know, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of yours, and uh, let me get you checked in at the door. I'll be right back. I walk a few steps over. I said, Todd and Heston's here. Make sure that we got, is anybody else in that booth? Because I'm going to have to throw them out because I got to put in there with Andre Kraj and blah, blah, blah. And I turn back, <laughs> and I say to him, by the way, you know, of all the films you've done and I'm a big fan of all your films. Uh, uh Major Dundee is probably my favorite. I don't know and that one. He Oh, it's great with Richard Harris. It's a great movie. It's like an unknown and he looks at me cuz see it's an un, people forget about this movie. He looks at me and he goes Major Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns Now he's about this far from the wall On the stairs And he turns to the wall And he looks off into a vista that's not there And he goes Wow, Major Dundee And he turns back to me And goes Now that was a swashback <laughs> oh I went, Charlton Okay, Charlton and I, and I, and I, I bring him in and uh, and I sit him <laughs> down, and that's the last I spoke with him. But it was, it, it, it was just that's the kind of stuff that went on there, man. You, you one night I'm working there, and uh, uh, Robert De Niro was doing King of Comedy, and uh, they didn't touch wow. on that, which is amazing. But he was coming in every night to watch Richard Belzer, and that's how he discovered Sandra Bernhardt to be in the film. And uh, he's watching Belzer every night, and he's coming in Scorsese and and Keitel. And Richard Belzer's going around. He's going, I got to get Keitel and De Niro together to look at Gaynor to find out if they fucked and made this guy. So <laughs> he kept saying, I look like Harvey Keitel. I look like. You De Niro. do look a
0: little like Harvey, more, more, yeah, much it, more like Harvey yeah. than than De Niro. But well, De, Niro,
1: De Niro's different. It's like, huh? what? what? Oh, I yeah. Yeah. You? you got the and faces there. So, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, I don't know. I am part Irish, part Italian, and, uh, and part too. Spanish. Which means uh, uh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, uh, I can, I, I, I have Spanish blood. It's most of it's on the bumper of my car, but the point is. <laughs> So I the jury, I was not there. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: I know uh, people. Uh, you, you have a million stories to tell, but I interrupted you on the macaron one. So now we have to we have to go back to the macaron one. You John, okay, I can't. So, um,
1: <laughs> you, potluck, yeah. night, potluck nights, a Monday nights, where anybody can come in and sign up for five minutes. It was not called open mic. That's a term that ruins it. Because right. Potluck. And the potluck, we don't know what we're going to see. Open mic puts in the minds of people today. I have a right to perform. No, you suck so bad they run away. You're not going on tonight. (laughs) You know, get the fuck out of here. I I don't, I don't suffer real. I, I had to sit through bad acts five years. I ran open mic night for Mitzi. I ran potluck night at Westwood at sunset back at Westwood for about four years to be precise. And after a while, you just can't stomach a bad act. I can sit to a bad singer because I can laugh, and it's a bad singer. But uh, and and an audience mm-hmm. will suffer a bad singer. But a bad comedian, you might as well, you know, cut someone's toe and put salt. It's bad. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, uh, I'm running, uh, I'm running the open mic. Uh, I mean, I'm running the potluck, and I'm trying to do all this. And in and in, uh, we have to check IDs when people come in and this guy comes up redheaded guy and he gives me his id and he's like 18 or 19. i said oh i'm sorry you have to be 21. and he looks at me and he goes i'm john McEnroe." i went oh i'm joey gainer how are you how are you i'm sorry kid you gotta be 21 to get in and he goes i'm john fucking McEnroe." and this is i think how i got the moniker i went well i'm joey fucking gainer so listen get the fuck out of here you're not old enough to come in beat it screw get the fuck out of here you fucking asshole i didn't know who he was i was not watching tennis at the time and that's the god's honest truth i don't hate john McEnroe, yeah but then the other doorman said well you keep letting magic johnson in i said yeah but magic's cool you know magic comes up he's like hey man you know uh i want to see richard Pryor magic get in get the fuck in there tell him i'm your father just tell him i'm your father (laughs) so uh
0: He was cool. Like coffee cartel and magic.
1: These people <laughs> were cool when they came to the door. And he just got loud. Then I found out, and then he got in on the other door anyway. He got in that night at the other side, I think. Wow. So, uh, yeah. but he, Well,
0: it, it's he, not as bad as I thought it was. I was um, imagining one of McEnroe's uh, classic tantrums. It takes. was.
1: No, no. It was a lot more than what I said. It was, i oh, oh, yeah. fucking who Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck. And Mike Binder comes up to me and he goes, That's John McEnroe. I went. I don't. Well, who the fuck is he? The tennis guy. I went. Oh, oh, that's right. People compare you guys. You look kind of alike. Did he come to see you? He goes, yeah. I said, all right. Well, uh, you're going on in the main room, right? Yeah. All right. He's in the wrong room anyway. What's the room? So right. Was the end of that didn't matter. But I, uh,
0: <laughs> I was never a tennis fan oh to begin with. <laughs> huh? Uh, I was never much of a tennis fan anyway. But I, I knew. Oh, obviously everybody knew him when he was God, losing, losing his mind. Yeah uh let's let's uh i want to bring in the pictures i don't have them in any specific order so if we can yeah, i'll gotta... tell you
1: what they are as we go and yeah uh, any, anything incriminating i'll just go next
0: <laughs>
1: no i don't think you would have sent me anything incriminating uh um, let's see
0: what we got here I uh I, I was nope that's the wrong thing
1: this, so... wrong thing <laughs> okay
0: uh application yeah i'm already wrong here it is um
1: That's me and Reverend George Wallace. Right, George
0: Wallace. (laughs) He he doesn't get any older because you've got you've gotten older since then, but he still looks exactly like that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, he 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 looks good. God bless him. He's uh, he looks pretty good. Um, That's Henry Hill.
0: Henry Hill from the uh, Wise Guys. From from, I mean, from Goodfellas. Wow.
1: Yes, I was doing a show about, I guess, about eight years ago at a place called. uh, it's a Trattoria. It was, I think they closed because of COVID. Um, it was over on, um, uh, uh, right across from Warner Brothers. I can't think of the name of it, trattoria. It was, it was a, the wife's name. I just can't for the top of my head. But anyway, he was there. I, I, what the, the Okay. Let's go back about two years or three years. I go to see Artie Lang at the Universal Amphitheater with my good friend Steve Pearl and the late, great blue iris she gets tickets from artie and she's bringing us to the show we were friends with blue iris so we go to the show at the amphitheater and we're backstage and while we're backstage everybody's milling about and you know artie lang isn't there yet the other acts are going on that are opening acts and a guy comes stumbling up the stairs into the backstage area and i'm looking at him and he kind of looks like a drunken popeye and i elbow steve pearl and i go look that's henry hill he goes how do you know i go look at him (laughs) <laughs> so he stumbles over, stumbles over to Steve and me, and he goes, "Hey, I got a cigarette." I go, "Hey, you're Henry Hill." Yeah, that's right, that's right. I said, I'm Joey Gaynor, Steve Pearl, and he goes, uh, "You already got a cigarette." anybody got a cigarette, a cigarette. and uh, and Steve says, "Hey, I went to school with uh, Maury's sons, the guy that the the wig maker, the real guy." Steve went to school with his sons, and he looks at Steve and goes, "Oh," and he runs down the other end of the stage, but nobody could give him a cigarette there. So he comes back and asks for a cigarette. And he remembers my name, and he remembers Steve's name. Joey and Steve. Hey, Steve, you got a cigarette? Give me a cigarette. So we give him a cigarette. I thought he'd explode from the alcohol. Now we fast forward two years. I walk into uh, the Trattoria, and um, I can't think of the name of the place, but it's... Anyway, I walk in there, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, there's a guy sitting at the table, and there's two big Samoan guys and I walk in and that's him sitting at the table inside what you see in the picture.
2: Right. And I hear, I know
1: you, I know you get the fuck over here. I know you, you, <laughs> you white guy, get over here. Bring, bring my friend a drink here. Bring her Joey Gaynor. I know you. I met you in Hardy line with blue iris and your friend, Steve, he gave me a cigarette. Wow. And I looked up, I looked at him and I went, and I went, Wow, Henry! No wonder you're a great witness. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> so, wow. So I sat down with him a second because I'm like, wow, this is this is bizarre meeting this guy. This is really out there. How out there? Uh, uh, yeah, Adrian I think it's Adrian Strateria was it called? That's so anyway, that's yeah.
0: bigger than meeting celebrity comedians so, well, to me. That's just like meeting a, a fictional character or something. It, it,
1: but then I go on stage. He has two big Samoan guys with him. And the two Samoan guys come over to me, and he goes, they're laughing. They go, hey, hey, uh, we're not here to keep you from him. We're keeping him from people. And I, <laughs> I laugh. I swear to God, I start laughing. And uh, uh, they go back over, and they're sitting there laughing. So we're doing the show. It's was called a Meatballs of a Comedy at the time. So I'm doing the show, and uh, uh, we were there every Saturday night. And I'm up there doing my act, and he starts heckling. Fuck you. you yeah, fuck. You, you wow yeah. and he sounds like nick nolte in q a fuck you, you <laughs> can't <suffer on> me. <laughs> so uh i look out in the audience and he keeps yelling and i just stop i don't say anything and very calmly i go henry you don't have to talk you're not in court and the audience a bit broke the tension big laugh thank god it was funny yeah and, uh, <laughs> big laugh He's banging the table, very old school, <laughs> you know. And uh, afterwards, I was outside. He was telling me how funny and all this shit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I said, well, I'll take a picture with him. What the hell? Then at least the cops know where I were that night. Right. So, uh, and then uh, uh, there was a big write-up about it in the L.A. Weekly. Uh, reporter Adam Groppman was there. That's me as a wrestling announcer working with the Samoans.
0: Wow. You look Mm -hmm. a little like, uh, what's that, Tony uh, Clifton. Tony Clifton? Well,
1: this is 1988 before I actually had a wrestling identity.
0: Yeah. I had a
1: wrestling identity, but not professional wrestling. It was more me and my friend uh, and comedy partner, Fred Asparagus, we would do wrestling. First wrestling interview I ever do in my life is with this guy, Dr. D. David Schultz, the guy who smacked around John Stossel.
0: Right, I remember that and wow. it
1: turned out i met adrian adonis keith frank adrian adonis who was uh, uh did the gay character wrestler in wwf back in the day it turned out uh he was adopted it turned out we're cousins we found out he was talking to my mother he, and they, they she shows him pictures they start talking about the computer line and so we're related and i'm i get finally a guy named Pistol Pete gets me a job as a wrestling announcer, traffic cop, and everything. And it's a dream come true. I always wanted to do it, and I take it very seriously. So I'm fabulous, Ray Fabiano. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, they tell me the first interview is going to be Doctor D is going to come up and be the interview. Like, oh shit! So I call Keith. I go, Keith, you know David, I should tell him. I'm not going to ask, is it fair? Tell him not to. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. I already talked to him. I said, hey, my cousin, don't worry. And so when I meet Dr. D, I said, so how do you want to do this? And he goes, "Um, well, you know, you ask me uh, why I'm in town, and then I'll just grab the mic and go nuts. And, you know." I said, great, <laughs> no problem. So he took the mic and he went, you know, a little bit, Hey, get you on, ah, and it, and Boom, I'm out. I'm gone. And I ran back to the announcer's table. And he was a great guy to work with. He really was a real pro. All, of, all the people. I, I worked with Eddie Guerrero on this show. It was called Muscle Rock. And we did a show last year for uh, saluting a 92-year-old uh, World War II veteran, Frank. I can't think of his last name. Uh, but we saluted him. And, and we've done a lot of shows in the military bases and everything. And Eddie Guerrero was one of our stars, uh, who was a big star in the WWF. And he's no longer with us. But uh, quite the whole Guerrero family, really. That's a Halloween at the Comedy Store when we would do the Halloween Ghost Tour. I did it one year. Wow. And famous for the Halloween, or for the ghost there because uh, Unsolved Mysteries documented me and Blake Clark about what we saw. We played ourselves on Unsolved Mysteries about what we saw at the Comedy Store. And the funny part is I still get money for that because it's the highest Watched either streaming or on television episode. The most popular episode ever is "The Ghost at the Comedy Store."
0: The Ghost at the Comedy Store. Tell me before we go to this. uh, Talk about this. What is the the Ghost at the Comedy Store? I mean, Uh, I I know a little bit about it, but I'm sure. Here's an
1: interesting thing. Yeah, this is a really interesting thing. There's. uh, I don't know what you've heard. I mean, have you heard just
0: that? Just that uh, episode of um, Unwanted Mysteries, Unsolved Mysteries. is The only thing I really know about. Well,
1: the. My family actually goes back further than the Shores, who own it now, the building. Than at that building, not the comedy store per se, but Ciro's. My family, someone in my family, goes had a lot of business there. Uh, Mickey Cone, the famous gangster, Mickey Cone. Right. Uh, my uncle Dominic was a, uh, or Sonny was a bag man for Mickey Cone in the late fifties, and he would meet him at Ciro's. And he would go pick up bets from Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis and whoever else at the studios, he'd go and pick up the money and he'd bring it to Mickey Cohn at Ciro's. So flat you jump forward 20, 20 years, 1977, 78, whatever. And, uh, I'm working there one night and I'll show you, this is the night it happened. Actually. I don't know the exact dates. Um, it doesn't have the date. Mitzi would just put Monday. But this was the night, and you can see my name is up there for the door and MC. Right. Uh, Joey came in for some reason, I don't think he knew he was on, so he didn't come to uh, – uh, he didn't show up to MC. I was Actually, I was supposed to be the first act. Uh, but the late Vic Dunlap and, and then Joey Kamen, neither one showed up uh, to MC. So I wound up MCing the whole night and running the door. And at the end of the night, and there were some great people on this, uh, you had, uh, let's see, Jerry uh, uh, Sam Quassman, who's the voice of Donald Duck at Disney for 100 years. Wow. Yeah, and a very funny guy. <laughs> a guy named Ronnie Kinney was funny. Lotus Weinstock, uh, a very funny uh, female comic. Bobby Kelton, Jay Leno, uh, David Say, Michael Keaton, before he was a big star, Michael Keaton, uh, Biff Maynard who was a big comedy writer, Vic Dunlap, who didn't make it there that night, Jeff Stein, who went on to be Frankenstein and create Mr. Belvedere and all these other shows. Uh, He started out writing for Jimmy Walker. He's a really funny guy. The Reverend George Wallace and Phil Snyder. I don't remember Phil showing up at the end of the night. I don't remember Phil at all, and no offense to Phil, God bless you, but that's a long time ago. (laughs) But this is how – and Roberta was on the cover. Roberta had to get up because we had to fill time. So Roberta got up and did time. And I think Brad Sanders came in and did some time. And uh, this is a picture of me and Mike Rogers of the New York Rangers in, like, 1984. And I just hold that up because I want New York fans to know. that I'm not a big Rangers (laughs) fan. But what the hell. uh, I like – I uh, I think this was before the Devils. Uh, I think that was before. it. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, that right 80, in That, yeah. Is what happened. that but, was uh, the
0: that was the end of the Islanders' uh dynasty 84.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah sure was. <laughs>
0: uh so this here we
1: part, are Oh,
0: this the Q&A uh, panel. I am Sam Kinnison.
1: Yeah. Uh we did uh, I did a a uh, documentary uh, called I Am Sam Kinnison for the same people who did uh, I Am, uh, uh, what's his name? I, I, uh, Chris Farley, I Am, letting right. him, whoever they do, the I Am series. And uh, it was going to air on Spike. And uh, this, we had, it they were going to debut it. And I called Adrian, the director, and I said, why not do it at the comedy store? What the hell? Do it in the main room. That was Sam's favorite place and so in uh, december of 17 before it premiered on spike it premiered a screening in the main room and ted nugent was there and all kinds of people showed up uh, that uh it was great it really was i hadn't seen a lot of the folks in a while and um after the screening we had a question and answer and the moderator was alba Mani, and bill kinnison sam's brother as you can see adrian uh I don't say his name right, but Adrian, I won't even try. Buter House, I believe it's pronounced. Yeah, uh, Buter Director. And uh, Corey Feldman was there in his Michael Jackson garb. Felicia Michaels, mm-hmm. very funny woman. Myself and Dan Barton, who wrote for Sam for many years. Uh, uh, Ron Jeremy, there's a picture uh, of us on the panel. I, let me see if I can point it out. Hang on. A picture of us on the panel. No, uh, go up keep, this way, go up, up, up. It's in color, but you oh. no, that's comedy's dirty stuff. yeah, go up, I was up, just
0: looking. I was just looking for some. No, that's no, the there's a the panel prepared. picture.
1: Keep going up. It's all of us sitting on the panel on stage. Uh,
0: hour. I'm not seeing it. Hold on, let me see. Go. Keep going up. No,
1: going. yeah. Hold on, hold on.
0: <laughs> I, I think, think I, I know.
1: I, I I know I sent it to you. Did you?
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not yeah. seeing it here. Uh, no, hang on a
1: second. We'll take a look.
0: That one,
1: that one. <laughs> yeah, this, well, that's me and Carl LeBeau, uh, Sam's permanent opening act. We were hanging outside the comedy store in Westwood, and that's wow. taken in 1982. Here, you know what? If I can, can you see my pointer?
0: Uh, uh comedy store no i can't i can't see your oh, point there
1: okay <laughs> nobody sees my point i'm that okay that's me with uh, Dice Clay. that's uh i was working it's uh, last year we're working on uh uh the uh argus hamilton writing stuff for argus hamilton there um, yeah
0: like, the only other color picture is this and that's just photos on the on the right. wall yeah, no.
1: You know what? Just click on them, and as we go down the list, I'll tell you what they are.
0: Uh, all right, that's a good deal. So we yeah. were, we were uh there. Now we'll go here. Is you're back at I the comedy store? In 20- yeah,
1: I, I, that's 2018. I won a uh a roast battle. So, uh,
0: so are you still uh, be right before COVID? Were you still uh still working or uh, yeah, at the comedy I store? Started,
1: I just started to produce live comedy shows. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I had a bunch lined up, and we had to cancel everything. It's a shame. Some of them, yeah, some of them were like uh, uh, American Legions. Some of them were uh, uh, retirement resorts where people, you know, retirement communities. But they have these. It's funny because now you know people think because people are sixty-five or whatever in retirement community. Oh, they only want to hear clean gospel comedy oh they were these people looked like bikers they showed up to see Bruce Baby Man Baum I booked him in there because I knew they'd know who he was from Play. make me laugh they showed up that's me and freddie asparagus keep that for a second they showed up to the show they they all smoked pot and right, they, and it was a great show. So hey, I'm a senior day.
0: citizen now. You're a senior citizen now. We grew up on Red Fox. I mean, yeah, and,
1: and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they had a great time. I had uh, Bob Golub from Goodfellas, the guy that says the two N words stole my truck. Not yeah. because he says that, but because they remember. Him. And he that's killed. Right. He had a great show. And a young fellow named Theo Manhattan MC. I did a set. It was a great show. This is Fred Asparagus, who you might remember. As the bartender in Three Amigos. Okay. Uh, or Baby Hernandez in Havana.
0: Yeah, he definitely has a familiar look to him. I've seen him.
1: Yeah. If you've uh, seen the movie Three Amigos, he's the he's uh he's the bartender. He sings Little Buttercup. He and I were a comedy team and uh we were one of the strongest comedy teams that ever played there and i'm not saying that to brag it was if you ask anybody go, oh my god those guys because we really just we knew how to pop a room and yeah. uh, uh that's a whole nother show in itself because when fred and i were partners there was this riff between sam and fred and I'm in the middle of it, and it's a whole nother world and a whole nother part of the 80s that took place not just at the comedy store, but if I went to Texas or wherever, it was like this thing. That, but it's a whole nother story. But okay. Fred and I, um, we only got to do one movie, and we did it with Bridget Nielsen called Galaxis. So uh, look for it at the 99-Cent Store. Give yeah.
0: It, 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 yeah. Dude. <laughs> now, what? The, the thing that strikes me about this picture is you're the only one wearing a tie, a suit, like a jacket and tie, which is an yeah. old, old, school comedy. Everybody else has got the, like, uh, the the 70s look on, except for Vern over here or whatever. I forget that guy's real name.
1: That's Jim Varney, the great Jim, Jim Varney. Yeah, so- uh, I don't know what happened to this fellow. That's uh, Doug uh, uh, Roche Battle, uh, Jeff Ross. Right. That's Bob Goldthwait. Uh I'm not sure who that is. I don't want to. But and that was me opening for Richard Pryor. Wow. So whenever wow. I would open for somebody, even when I was at the coach house and I opened up for a million bands there, the Joe Strummer, uh, uh the, the Cruzados, I uh, uh I always dressed um, Wow! good. I- except for one period when I wasn't sure what I was doing, and then I got out of that uh I that, that phase didn't last
0: <laughs> When what, 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 what year is this about?
1: This is nineteen eighty three. Wow. And uh, I had Richard would come in and out of the club and I was always afraid to talk to him because he's my idol. And he's so scared to talk to him. And finally, I'm working the door there and it's really funny how I get to work the door while Richard's there. Mitzi sure calls me. And uh, I had been over at uh, Westwood most of the 82 and everything. I was always performing over there and she called me up and she says, Joey, can you come in and work a few nights a week uh, while richard Pryor's here i said sure and she goes you know how to handle that crowd (laughs) and at first i'm like well you know yeah i hope it's not a rough and then i and then i'm like what does she mean what and then uh it dawned on me (laughs) uh in my act i talk about growing up in the ghetto and uh you know, having a lot of black friends and everything, so Mitzi felt <laughs> that I I would be good to be on the door, and it it wasn't a racist thing. She just thought that my temperament was the right temperament, right, uh, for this show. And actually, it wasn't th- it wasn't the regular people, regular fans who came in that gave that that ever started any trouble. It was always some celebrity who was an asshole, right? So, and I hate to say that because, um, but there were a few uh, and. They would just cop an attitude before they even came in. But luckily, uh, uh, I got to be friends with Richard. I have a poster of him from the Schubert Theater. Is it something I said to her? And um, I wanted him to autograph it. And one night, I finally brought it to work. And I had it under my arm. And I'm walking up to him. And he goes, what do you got there? And I'm, well, I got this poster of you. And I got him at the, the Schubert Theater. and you're Give me that. And I had a ballpoint pen. And he, he signed a poster. And I don't know, but out of nowhere, I went, my voice went from, I uh, do to, hey, you know, I remember watching you on Merv Griffin with Jackie Leonard, and Jackie Leonard was uh, insinuating a bunch of shit about you and the Black Panthers, and Jackie Leonard goes, hey, you know, uh, Richard, I know you and the Black Panthers, I don't know about you guys, you all get together there, and you're all hanging out by yourselves, a bunch of guys there, I don't know what's going on, and you just turned around and went, uh, let's get this straight, uh, uh, Jackie, uh, uh, and I'm going to say what Richard said, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. But he goes. Let's get this straight. Uh, you know, I'm not a fag, man. Let's, so let's get that out in the open, and we can get on with this thing here. You know, Jackie Leonard went, <laughs> and and Richard went. Yeah, you're right. Jackie would cut that shit off. You remember that? I remember, man. You know, <laughs> Jesus, he was a. F- and he he was he was amazed. I remembered that, and uh, <laughs> but he, he had to understand that I was a big Jackie Leonard fan, but I was also a big fan of his, and watching him cut off this bull in a china shop with one punch and yeah. he just boom he, sl- he, he he flattened him and then sam and dave are on the show and to make amends for it jackie leonard starts dancing around with sam and dave throws his jacket off and grabs a mic he goes i'm booking them to open for me in vegas these guys are great you know so. <laughs> wow but, what a yeah, and so then I became friends with him from that, and then he uh, he was watching me in the original room I would perform, and he was I didn't know he was watching me. I had no idea, and then when it came time to do the main room, he was getting ready to do uh, here and now, which he shot in New Orleans concert. Uh, Mitzi was setting a lineup in the original room in the main room, and she's got like, uh, well I'm gonna put Jimmy Walker, and then I'm gonna put you know Jay Leno, and then Richard, and Richard's like no no I want Richard Bell's at the MC, so there's no fuck-ups. And I want <laughs> Joey Gain is gonna go on before me, and then i go on, and then uh, people can do what the fuck they want when I'm done. I don't care. You can have elephants, yeah. fucking, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and uh and she was a little upset by that, but uh it was a it was a great opportunity because I God, I booked so much work after that
0: right well, anyway. so, so was mitzi uh easy she, it doesn't sound like she was easy to work with but it sounds like uh it, when when somebody big like R- richard Pryor says it's gonna be that way she was she would give on on. well on she that knew
1: stuff. she knew he she wasn't gonna argue with him over that he yeah. used me there he used finest henderson on the road a lot and uh, finest was uh, a comedian finest is one of the f- one of the greatest performers, uh, and he's so unknown here. Go to Australia, Europe. Again, another one of these. He's like Mink DeVille. It's like Mink DeVille. Right. Giant in Europe. Sell out a stadium here, barely sell out 150 seats in Bogart's down in Long Beach. Wow. So, uh, yeah. And these were friends. These are, you know, friends of mine. I don't know if th- you saw this one. This is, I actually read for the Freddie Prinz story because. Wow. Of- yeah. But then they went with Ira Angerstein. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which makes sense though because you know he was he was a star on the shadow um white shadow and um i don't know there's some other stuff there let's see what we can what, what is this one there's a double picture of the comedy store wall down a few right there no no uh below that one okay this is when the wall first got the names put on it Wow. I'm really lucky to have these pictures. If you blow them up, I'll show you what I mean. If you can I, blow
0: I can't really blow it up too much. Well, what can I do here? Uh, well,
1: do you hit the, there you go. Yeah. All right. Now but scroll. Would it. they
0: blur out a little bit? No, oh, no, no, no.
1: This is going to be fine. Now, my name, my name, if you can see, to the right of the comedy store sign is right up there at the top. Okay. Right to the to the right of it. Right. And and then uh, the reason it's up there. Uh, originally, the reason how all these names got on the wall wasn't Mitzi's original idea. Uh, John Fox, and where's the picture? Uh, I'll find it. John Fox, from who is in Comedy's Dirtiest Dozen with me, uh, was, uh, he was a house painter. And uh, he had a great joke. He'd open his show going, I was a house painter. I was a house painter for seven years. I thought I'd never finish that fucking house. <laughs> All right, so he would open with that. I'm trying to find the photo. It's so it. good. Yeah, well, it's hysterical. And uh, anyway, uh, he uh, uh, he, pay, he gets a call from Mitzi, and she goes, "John, you're how you So I watched your act. You're a house painter, huh? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, I thought you were really funny. Oh, uh, did you, Mitzi? Oh boy, yeah. No, that's great. That's how he talked. And she goes, wow. I got a lot of work for you. Now he's thinking he's going to get booked in La Jolla, uh, the <laughs> she college She goes, I want you to paint the comedy store all black. The whole outside, all black. Wow. So it's a great paycheck. He knows what he's doing. John takes the, and John and I were good friends. And he tells me all about it. We're laughing. And, uh, Uh, There was a club called The Laugh Stop, which mimicked the comedy store, but it was the first club in the country to have three comedians, uh, open, middle, and closer. Uh, Mike Cayley, who's passed away, but that was The Laugh Stop in Newport Beach. And then they started opening other ones, and uh, little one-nighters and stuff. And whenever they opened one, they'd send me and John Fox. I'd open the show, John would close it, and that was good enough for them. We did a great job on it. John was great to work with. So... John paints the whole thing black. And as you can see, the comedy store sign above the door, which says the comedy store, and there's all black paint around it. It's the black background. On there, John has some he has some paint left over, uh, some silver paint. I don't know what the silver paint was for, but in silver lettering, he paints uh, uh, right there with the comedy store, right below it, with your MCs, Harris, Pete, Joey Gaynor, Argus Hamilton, John Fox, John Pate. He goes down all the right. way. Puts about eight of our names up there. I see it and I go, "Oh, that looks cool." Mitzi comes back from La Jolla on Thursday, and I'm standing outside working. She pulls up at about seven o'clock in the lot, and her tops down on her Jaguar. She looks up and goes, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> I said, "What? What? Those names? Why the fuck are those names up there?" I said, "Oh, John Fox put him up there, didn't you?" I didn't tell him to put those. F- no wonder everybody's calling me about fucking names on the wall, like a motherfucker. And she pulls into the back, right? She goes upstairs. About three minutes goes by after she's upstairs. The phone rings, and the cover booth girl says, Missy wants to see you upstairs." So I run upstairs. I go in. The, I go in the office. I'm standing there, and Mitzi's, you know, it's, <laughs> and and she's like. His fucking name. What do you? Who told him to do that? I said, I think he just did it. I think he thought it would look good. I don't know. I, I'm not. I didn't tell him to do it. She goes, Well, what do you think? You think it looks good? I said, Honestly, yes, yes. I like the idea of my name being on on the on the sign. Who wouldn't? And she looks at me. And she goes, Go back downstairs at a fucking door. So I go back downstairs. She calls John up the next day and she goes, Say, hey, put the names on the sign. Yeah, Missy. She goes. Well, i tell you what, you did such a good job with the names on the sign. I'm going to really give you some great work. Uh. (laughs) And again, oh, boy, she is going to put me at the college. I want you to paint all the fucking names of the comedians on the building. Wow. Take them off this sign. So he put my name and his name and everybody he could, Argus and all of us, as far up at the top around the sign as he could and uh that's not there now my name is down uh next to the window my name is right next to the window near johnny carson and some people like that but otherwise mine is up to the right of the sign when they originally put it up and it was up there for quite a few years if you look at this uh, the top picture uh and right. you look just to the right of the the on the comedy store sign, that's my name joey Gaynor. and it's uh I tell you, when, when the young guys get their name put on the wall, now it's exciting, and it was just as exciting then as it is now for them. I understand it.
0: They have to run out of wall at some point, or there have been so many people. Uh, now. Uh, the,
1: the names now are all in front of the main room, all the way around the back. They utilize every every space they can use.
0: So it's so much different than uh, I, I I'm assuming anyway. That's- right now it's really clicky. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, this picture. Uh, is uh, well, the, the names on the wall are only people who were comedians that worked at the comedy store, right? It's a uh, it's kind of like a hall of fame thing or whatever. Uh, you got to earn it, it's they don't just put names there, you know. I thank yeah, yeah. like god, you know. Um, and it, it's like that with the ice house, it's like that with the improv, anywhere where they have the names and stuff. Uh, I don't like my name in too many places because of warrants. Now, this uh, this picture. Yeah. uh, Now the black fellow is Chris. uh, Chris Jackson. Uh, He's in the movie Vacation when they get lost in the ghetto, and uh, (laughs) and Chevy Chase goes, "Excuse me, excuse me," and the black pimp is Chris, and he goes, "Fuck your mama." That's Chris. (laughs) That's a good.
0: Huh? Good. That's a good line to have. If that's your only line in the movie, that's a good one to have.
1: Oh, he was famous for that <laughs> line. Next to him is Argus Hamilton, who I've known uh, since one uh, two weeks after I started doing comedy. I started to do comedy on March 15, 1976 uh, at the, at the uh, comedy store on Sunset. Uh, I did five minutes, and I actually had a, a killer set doing the most ethnic material you could do yet I pulled it off and for some and Mitzi made me a regular right away worst thing that could have happened I didn't know what I was doing but um I met Argus like two weeks later and we spent most of that summer of 76 writing political jokes and stuff because it was a great oh god right. the political field was fantastic right. and uh, that's me in the middle when I was young and handsome and uh wow. there's Freddie Asparagus uh with the mustache Andrew Letterer Andrew J Letterer is there, and that's a young dice clay on the end. Yeah, so
0: that's before Clay made it uh big is no before Dangerfield kind of uh put him on the map that was or before no? that, yeah. Wow
1: At, uh, 1980 going into 81. Wow. And uh that was New Year's Eve. And that's <laughs> Richard. Okay, this is important. This is it the, now. They showed a picture uh on Showtime of Richard Pryor being crowned king of comedy. They just showed a picture of him in a cape and a crown. They didn't elaborate on it. They didn't say anything. Paul Mooney, who is the farthest uh, all the way to the left in the white shirt, right, uh, orchestrated this. I'm right behind Richard's shoulder in a court jester outfit, uh, and Diane Cannon is there, and right behind her is Finis Henderson on piano. I have another photo where we were spread out more and you can really see everybody, but I cannot find it. I'm heartbroken. I cannot find this photo. It, it, it just sucks. Wow. But uh, anyway, uh, I went and got the uh, the entire, uh, we rented the entire uh, court jester outfit, even with a bauble. And I came out and I read the proclamation that we are going to crown Richard Pryor, king of comedy. And uh, Diane Cannon came out with the crown. Paul came out with the cape and finis henderson sang richard we crown you king he made up a song richard we crowning you king and uh we love you and all that was great it was a am- and this was at the uh, the um uh the what do you call the rap party for here and now and wow. uh, it, was catered, it was catered by chasens it was chasing chili and everything this is the reason this this night was so exciting for me is not only did he introduce me to Jack Nicholson and try to get me to do Jack Nicholson in front of Jack Nicholson.
0: Oh, my God. Goes, do,
1: do him, do him, and he walks away. And I looked, at <laughs> I looked at Nicholson, and I went, I'm from Newark, New Jersey, and I know you don't want me to do you, do you? And he went, nah, do you smoke pot? I said, yes, I do. Well, come on, Jersey boy, show me where we can smoke a bone. So I took him out <laughs> back and smoked a bone, uh, talked about New Jersey. Uh, what are you doing out here? I'm working on being a comedian. And like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then I mentioned two movies, The Terror and uh, another movie that he, that he had done a long time ago. And we were talking. Then I started talking to him about the movie Head, and then this beautiful woman, Came out of nowhere looking for Jack, Jack, and like, what the fuck are you going to talk to me about when she came walking up? You know, so that was that. But then I go back in, now I'm stoned, and I go back in, and a very sober Richard Pryor introduces me to Huey Newton. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm sitting at a table with Richard Pryor and Huey Newton. And I said I told Huey Newton, you know, in, in 1971 I marched with the Black Panthers in New York, uh, or 72. I was 16, and I, because in 72, I uh, literally went uh, undercover for the McGovern campaign. Oh McGovern my goodness! Campaign. And we went, me and my buddies went undercover. By the way, I just want to show some of these. That's I don't know if I got that in there. That's uh, me, Steve Pearl, jacketed joke man. And his wow. wife at the time. We we're shooting Comedy's Dirtiest Dozen. And uh, let's see. Uh, you know, I'm a musical guy too. I used to host a jam at the gaslight, and guys like the the blasters and stuff would come down. This is a long time ago. Wow. Pop Jimmy, uh, David Lee Roth. A lot of people came down to that. It was it was a lot of fun. Um anyway, anyway, I get I get lost on what I'm saying, but there was a – oh, this is it. This is this was the movie Comedy's Dirtiest Dozen. Right. I just couldn't find all the big color stuff. This was what was at my fingertips. And uh, this movie, Bill Hicks, uh, let's see. Yeah, Bill Hicks is in it. Uh, John Fox, Tim Allen, Chris Rock, Otto and George. I don't know if you remember Otto and George.
0: Yeah, Long Island, a really dirty puppet guy. Oh,
1: <laughs> hysterical. Larry Skrano, Steve Pearl, uh, myself, uh, Stephanie Hodge. And uh, a host of us, and um, uh, that was a lot of fun to do. We did that in New York in uh, in the summer of '88. And um, they came to me, the producers, and went, "We want you to be the Sam guy." And I said, "Why can't I be the Joey guy?" And finally, went back and forth, and I said, "Look, I'm not the Sam. I'm not Sam. Let it, this movie's being shot at the Manetta Lane Theater in New York." Jackie the Joke Man is the hottest thing in New York. He's on Stern every day. Let him close the film. Boom! The light goes off. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Thank you. Pressure's off. I could be me. So uh, (laughs) sometimes it's not good to be king. Right. Uh, I didn't want to be. I I didn't want to be. I wasn't looking for that. I didn't even think I was ready to do the movie. I'm so happy I did. It was a fantastic experience, but I, I, I felt so unready at that time um uh i'm looking to see if there's anything else here oh there's uh my first paid gig if you look you'll see a fold out print there somewhere or, or that i it looks like that you'll uh that. uh yeah that's uh, the comedy dirtiest does that looks a lot better there um
0: where's the foldout? out? Uh, it's not this no it's a blue color there was
1: a, I put I sent like twenty five or thirty. Yeah, yeah. It?
0: Uh, yep, I did. I I did it all in one one folder, and that, that's that's all I have. Let me see. Um, yeah, so that's, it, that was all it, I had.
1: It's, uh, Freddie Prinze and Alan Bursky on the Mike Douglas show.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I had Bursky sign it actually, and uh, see when. I met Freddie Prinze, or I go all over the place, but it's just my brain. Uh, In 1975, my uncle was a big ticket broker here. That's the last night of the Westwood Comedy Store, that one, with the guy out. this one? Yeah, that was me, Michael Becker, and the late Bruce Mickelson. Okay. And that was the last night of the Westwood Comedy Store. Uh, That's from All I Want for Christmas. The little girl is Thora Birch. And that's Ethan Randall. I think he changed his name now. He's still an actor. It's it's Ethan something else, not Ethan Hawke, but right. Ethan. Uh, but Thora Birch, and I. That was with Leslie Nielsen, Lauren Bacall. Oh my uh, god. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, from Second City, what's her name? Um, the dark haired woman. Uh,
0: I don't remember her name, but I, I know who you're talking name. about.
1: Yeah, she's in it. <laughs> uh, it's a great movie for Christmas, that and um, and uh uh it was and it 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 really was a dream okay it it was a dream come true because i'm in a perennial christmas movie every year it's on tv something i always wanted when i was a kid now at the bottom is me and george lopez right uh, lopez george very funny guy and up top that's a picture of me being a doorman with uh comedian joe Manetti, who was also a doorman and uh uh Okay, we just And
0: that's that. the last that's the last one just the last one I have. Uh what is this? Comedy that is
1: um, That's the comedy store uh the first night that I opened for Richard Pryor. Wow, dude. Oh, wow. And if you look at that lineup, you've got Richard Pryor, then you've got Jimmy Walker, Shirley Hemful, and Bruce Baby Man about Bruce Baum. Right. That that lineup there is probably one of, and it's not because I'm on it. I'm, I'm so honored to be with people. It's Belzer, man. I we're know. We're talking Blunk Blunk. You know, we're talking. Yeah. Is he NCSI or is he Law and Order?
0: Uh, Law and Order, Baltimore, or something. Uh. Or...
1: Yeah, Blunk Blunk. Yeah, it's Belzer. Oh no,
0: he is homicide. homicide uh, yeah, and then then he became. Um, law ordered order special victims union but he was homicide um life on the streets or something like that before yeah. that
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and, and that was um uh, uh oh yeah he was so nuts um let me see i had some other photos here that i can hold up it's a, oh this is in the movie this is from the movie uh, uh oh, I law fold,
0: i found that fold out. hold on why didn't i just show up before Oh no, that's that's not it to fold out. Okay. Go ahead show no, no, what man. you're going to show. I
1: I'll, I'll show you the fold out in a second. This is uh a movie I did with Chad McQueen called um Martial Law and uh I'm holding up a jewelry store and then I get the shit beat out of me by Chad McQueen. Um let me see. I had some other ones. Oh, you know, and I've had I've had quite a few mentors too in this business and that uh, not just like guys like Prior, Steve Landisburg, Letterman, uh Mitchell Walters. Uh uh Biff Maynard, um, guys that, uh, Marty Cohen from Samuels and Call Party, Marty Cohen, solid goal. Uh, Mark Scheffler, very funny, funny man. They, they George Miller, these guys took the time to teach me, to tell me. Um, I don't know how it is now. Uh, I don't, I mean, I I don't put, I don't have anything against young comedians on some I'm Bart, that old guy. All oh, these young guys, listen. All I want to do when I go on stage is entertain the audience. I don't give a shit how old they are. That's got nothing right. to do with it. Be funny. Right. you fu- fu- Because the thing that I learned from Richard Pryor, the most important thing he ever said to me is I said, you know, when you write a joke and that, he went, hey, 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 just put the funny in. Fuck it. If it's funny, it's funny. Put the these motherfuckers go up there. They don't put no funny. They go up and go, ah, bah, bah, bah. They stand there waiting for, and it's like, yeah, okay. Um. All right, can I get a drink? Cause I might as well get something right now. Cause I'm gonna right. go. This sucks.
0: Well, and, uh, I, I think uh, Colin, for as great as he was, he kind of uh caused a lot of that. Where these guys want to be and more tall a little bit too, want to be college professors rather than be funny. A lot of the times they yeah. want to they want to give a lecture a little bit, uh, and it. Yeah, that works to a certain extent, but when it's not funny and there's no laughs, then people are going to remember you as a, a speaker more
1: than a comedian, right? Well, one of the things I learned when I started doing stand up again, I hadn't done stand up really quite a bit for a while. I was, I had TMJ for a while and stuff. And 2015, I met a young uh, fellow named, uh, he calls himself now Theo Manhattan. That's his, his comedy name. And that's his name. And uh, I started to work with him and, mentor him what and te- we were teaching them how to do stand up and if somebody has an innate sense of if somebody has a sense of humor and talent and really wants to do stand up they can there's a lot of people that say they're a stand up and they're they're not and right. i i don't suffer you know i do zoom shows and i don't suffer open mic comedians like sending me messages you know that joke I think it offended. I write back, I don't give a fuck. I'm worried about the four hundred thousand people that liked it, not the one guy that didn't. Okay? All right. Yeah, yeah. The words of Robert Schimmel. So
0: uh Oh man, that's a that's an underrated great, great comedian. Here's a guy
1: that, I, <laughs> we were we both worked a club up in Portland called The Last Laugh. And the guy's wife, this guy, Joe, his wife hated the F word. You could say anything else, but the F word, oh yeah. I don't know what was wrong with her, but anyway, uh, uh, Robert does his act. And Robert Schimmel, the greatest X rated act next to Lenny Schultz that I know of. Right. Okay. <laughs> so he does the show. Four people got up and walked out just before the end of the show. Now, when they walk out before the end of the show and complain, you know they're just cheap motherfuckers trying to get their money back. Ass bags. Get the fuck out. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the business long enough to know that, and I say that because the people at home that do that—that's what you are. Now, here's <laughs> here's what happens. They get up and the show's over, and Joe comes up to him and goes, four people walked out of this show, and I'm docking you ten dollars apiece. I'm docking you forty dollars." And Bob went out, blinking an eye goes, "Okay, dock me forty dollars. Let's see. It seats four hundred. That I want ten dollars for the three of." For each of the 390 people that stayed. <laughs> or I'm not going on tomorrow night and you can go on. Wow. And that ended that argument. Uh, <laughs> and I was talking to him because I did a show at the laugh stop in Claremont, and two people walked out and I was getting a bunch of shit for it. And they were drunk and they were just they were really loud and I told them to shut up and whatever. And the owner gave it, and then Robert said to me, You know what? Uh the next time that happens, uh, and the audience is on your side, just tell the club owner, hey, how about all the people that stayed? Fuck them. You know, well, I'm a friend of him. So God forbid there was Yelp back then. They would have club owners would have blown their brains out.
0: Oh my so, god. So uh,
1: yeah. And and but see, I learned not to really worry because I got lucky I got to be mentored by people like well, there was this was a guy, Joey Villa. Can you see that guy? Uh, He's sitting there with his buddy Frank Sinatra, and uh, he was a a comedian who had been on Sullivan and all these shows. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing, and he helped me with joke writing. And I'm sitting at his house one Sunday, and a guy named Don Sherman shows up, who was a great joke writer writer. And then uh, the door opens up, and in comes uh, I'm trying to think of his name, uh, another uh, television writer guy. That was, and I'm sitting there getting a seminar for free, you know. And and that if you if you if you know if you if you can learn to learn, that's the most important thing I think.
0: Yeah, uh, it, a, yeah. It true in it, true in any uh, any artistic endeavor. But I, I gotta ask you: Is there any who who is there any big name that you would be really starstruck by? I mean, cause you're talking about Frank Sinatra. You're talking oh. about Johnny Carson. I can't. Well, that's <laughs> the thing.
1: I got so immune and I actually met Sinatra once. Uh, My uncle was really close friends with David Guest. So we used to go to all these functions, uh, American cinema awards, et cetera. And I got to meet uh, Frank Sinatra once, shook his hand. Hi, And, uh, you know, like he he was just shaking hands like it was a wedding, you know. uh, But I did I did go to one that was a uh, a uh, tribute to Frank Sinatra. and I went over to say hello to Richard Pryor at his table, and Cam Calloway was sitting at the table. Holy shit. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and so uh, if I can find the picture while I'm telling you, um, I walk over, and Richard goes, hey, man, hey, hey, Cam Calloway, that's Cam Calloway. And I'm, I'm like, oh, wow. So I took a picture with Richard. I think it might be here. Let's see. No, it's not here, boy. Oh, boy! When you when you want something, anything. <laughs> I wish I had a maid so I could blame her. Uh, anyways, um, oh, there's a bunch of junk here, but I'll just keep talking about it. Anyway, uh, I go over to Cab Calloway. This is Ollie Joe Prater, by the way. First guy I really met at the comedy store, and the guy that went and got Johnny Carson. Wow! With Lou Deck that night, man. So, uh, so he
0: did have brass balls. He looks like a bad. Oh man.
1: yeah. Oh Lou. Lou <laughs> Yeah, Ollie Ollie didn't just have brass balls. Like he could eat <laughs> brass balls. Um uh anyways, the uh the, I, I was telling you a story and I got it's either ADD or the pot. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, it's or, probably a little of both.
1: But a little both. No, I am I'm not uh what, what which story was I telling you? Uh oh, so I'm at this table with Richard Pryor. Oh, wait a minute. Here it is. With, it's right with in front Camp of me. Calloway. Yeah. This, yes. And I don't think you can see Mr. Callaway, but this was uh, at the function with Richard oh, yeah. Fryer. And I he says, there's Cab Callaway. So I went over to Cab Callaway, and I I uh, I, I admired a guy so much. And he was 80 years old then. And I said to him, Mr. Callaway, it's a pleasure to meet you and uh, et cetera. And he shakes my hand and he stood up and he was in a white tuxedo, he's ready to perform. He's he's ready. And I said, Mr. Callaway, I just want to tell you that I think and I believe everyone in rock and roll got it from you. And his wife began to cry and said, no one has ever said that to him. No one in his whole life has ever said that to him. And she started crying. And he shook my hand and of course my cousin who took the other picture that you that I just held up my cousin Christine in New Jersey took this picture and took off with the camera and I didn't get a picture of me in Cab Calloway, which would have really meant a lot to me so, but uh, it was uh you know I'm a, I'm very partial of, of, all, all to music especially I mean uh, that's me and my buddy and uh Steve Pearl and Johnny Winter
0: Johnny Winter yeah
1: back in the day and uh yeah it's all great stuff this is me and this was Chad McQueen explaining to me he's not gonna hit me. <laughs> <laughs> this is me and, and Professor Irwin Corey, and Irwin Corey is trying to say he didn't order anything. He only ate the crackers and the celery. Wow. <laughs> That's legitimate. Wow. <laughs> this is me and Slappy White, and I'm Lappy working. Slappy White. Ch- Yes, I'm working with Slappy White in Austin, Texas, the first time I'm on the road with him. Every night after the show, we go out. We go all up and down 6th Street to every club, and then he gets to the door. Hey, it's Red Fox. Come on in. We're getting everything, right? It's Red Fox. Hey, Mr. Fox. And we just go in. So this goes on for the first two nights, and I'm sitting having breakfast with him on Wednesday morning, and I go, Slappy, does it bother you every night that when we go to a club and everything, and you show up at the door, they go, they think you're Red Fox. They start going, Look, it's Red Fox. Doesn't that bother you? And he took a big drag on his cigar and he's looking at the racing form and he goes, We're getting everything free, ain't we? And I said, <laughs> Where are we going tonight, Mr. Fox? So, uh, Br- you, genius, one of the you know, he- uh, we started
0: with millennials in this conversation an hour and 15 minutes ago, and most millennials <laughs> know of Slappy White as a reference from a Seinfeld thing where uh, Seinfeld parents were checking on where, where we were supposed to be in a, a Las Vegas uh, hotel or something, or oh, Atlantic City hotel. And he said, well, you know, I wasn't there because I was stay, staying under my stage name. And they said, what's your stage name? He said, Slappy White. So most okay. people, that's what they know of Slappy White.
1: Hey, here's <laughs> what's. What's amazing is if you're and young comedians now actually go back and watch on YouTube, Sid Caesar, whatever they can go. That's why when the book came out and then the TV show, I'm Dying Up Here, came out, even though the TV show is somewhat uh, on another planet. Uh, I'm not talking about the acting or anything, just the way they did it was, you know. Anyway. Um, you, you can't be in 1973 and not talk about the Vietnam War or Nixon.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, uh, but I have nothing to. I mean, Rick Overton, a bunch of my friends did the show, and they did. Everybody did a great acting job. I thought Brad Garrett was great on it. I thought uh, uh, Rick was great. I thought uh, L- M- Melissa Leo, forget it. Um, and so, a lot of the younger comics now have a reverence towards comedy going all the way back. Uh, when I started mentoring comics what i call my little workshop uh first they have to learn how to wear a rope and uh <laughs> 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 yeah, i do that i do that just to piss off the pc fuckheads out there. Well, that'll, oh, that'll work anyway uh the first thing i do is i'll ask um what's your favorite sitcoms or what have you known about comedy what have you been listening to And then I'll put on Duck Soup. I'll say, okay, here's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to watch a movie called Duck Soup. What's it about? (laughs) Relax. Put on Duck Soup. Watch a 23-year-old roll on the floor laughing at Duck Soup and be amazed that a movie almost 100 years old is relevant today. Right. Put on uh, uh, Sid Caesar. I would put Sid Caesar on. And what I would think, those old 20-minute sketches, and if you remember back in the day, you watched the Sid Caesar show, the sketches weren't like Saturday Night Live, four or five minutes. They were right. 20 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. They, they were mini plays. Yet, I put it on and I wanted to see will he be bored? This young fella be bored. i Put it on. Okay, now this is Sid Caesar show of shows. And five minutes in, rolling on the floor. Can't get enough of Sid Caesar. And you see, The the, the comedy is is coming back. There are people who think it ain't. No, it's coming back. I don't know in what form we'll be performing it. I don't know if I'll be doing car lot shows. I don't know what's going to happen. But comedy will never go away because the more tragedy we have, the more comedy we need. And comedy is always going to be there. It is. I
0: agree. uh, I agree. It's more important food sometimes, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah uh, yeah the, the, especially the,
0: at the worst time at uh, the worst it gets the more you need comedy so of
1: course exactly. but speaking of kinnison one at the universal amphitheater he asked me to do a little uh help out with the uh with uh uh not bodyguarding but like making sure idiots didn't get in the dressing room and just checking right. stuff and i helping him out I, I never uh opened for him on the road or anything but at the Universal Amphitheater, I was announcing him on from backstage. <laughs> That's real exciting, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I was 14 and had glasses like this, you know, hey, you're on the road. You know, I would have thought it was great. Anyway, no. no I I'm still think
0: it's great. But I would love to do that
1: <laughs> once. No, it was. It was, it was fantastic. I'm being <laughs> this is um, uh, Jessica Hahn. And this picture was famous because somebody gave me the copy of the picture. But it showed up somewhere else, and they, went, so they wanted to send it to the inquirer. They thought I was dating Jessica Hahn. I'm like, no, I'm walking her to her car. That's all. <laughs> but, and, and I want people to know that she was a really cool person. Really? Um, yes. She was really nice. She was a really nice person. Um, uh, it's just so funny how you, uh, you read stuff and, and you hear stuff. And, no, it, she was a nice person. I never uh, uh, had a problem this was a, a play i did in 96 called front street and i don't know if you can see uh there's myself a wonderful uh new york actress named mary tommen is in the picture mr akmonic from uh, alf ray Bruzo who's carmine jr on the sopranos there and of course one of my favorite actors ever uh robert forster wow is in the picture and this was it was a pretty successful play we had a good time and i learned that you don't make any money doing plays uh that's me and danny little red lopez he punched me and then he took a picture no that's not true that's And that's me with an afro in 1976. Wow!
0: So, uh, we we are almost we're almost out of time here. We got like nine, uh, eight and a half minutes left. I got to ask you though, because uh, first of all, you you mentioned so many names there. I, I would love to just <laughs> know, know about everybody. But uh, did did you ever meet Lenny Clark?
1: Lenny Clark. At- Lenny Lenny Clark is one of the funniest. And I'm going to say this, I'm not going to embarrass Lenny, but Lenny is one of the nicest, warmest guys that I know. When I first met Lenny, way back when he first came to town, he was a gentleman. He's a great guy. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, we both were reading for uh, the movie Wired because they were looking at everybody. And I went in for the Belushi movie and wow, and he went in and uh, I heard him. As I'm leaving, as I'm leaving the casting office at uh, Fox, I remember it was on Fox lot. As I'm leaving the casting office, he went in and uh, I'm walking out. He goes in the door and I actually heard him say, you know, I don't know why you're not just casting that guy. That guy's perfect for this.
0: Wow.
1: And uh, I said to myself, uh, and then he told me that later. I said, I know I heard you. And if it had, I said, you know, how the fuck did you ever get mad at a Lenny Clark? I mean, we need more. This guy's from Boston. That's what's scary. We need right. more guys like that from Boston. Well, <laughs> we
0: <don't-> he he. <laughs> out of all the Great names God. you mentioned, that's the one guy that I would really, really, you know, just love to meet and hang out with him. He's my. Uh, and uh, most Great people God. don't don't understand how he he just missed being the household name by just like one little break, of, you know, yeah, he, had, he had that uh, sitcom that was, it actually beat Seinfeld the first year it was on. It was a rival of, of Seinfeld yeah. his first year. It was called Lenny. And Lenny, then yes. and then the second year, uh, kind of got moved into a tough time spot, and then uh, Seinfeld got the Thursday night thing. But and, uh, it, it, he, he could have easily cha- traded household name status with, with the likes of Jerry Stein, Seinfeld. So I, The
1: first time I ever saw Lenny Clark, he was in the main room at the comedy store, it was a uh, again potluck night. He was uh, showcasing for Mitzi, and uh, he did a couple of jokes. I forget who we followed. I don't remember. I walked in, and he did a couple of jokes, and there wasn't a big laugh. And he went, "Hey, folks, I don't need this shit. I could be home practicing karate with Elvis's ghost," and it was a <laughs> huge laugh. And then he just sailed after that, you know. And yeah. I said, "Boy, this guy's funny." And then uh, 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 we we would hang out, go to Canters, and everything. And he's a he's he's a very very funny. There's a lot of funny guys from Boston. Steve Sweeney, yeah. Jesus Christ, I mean, um, uh, I don't know if Bill Burr is from Boston. I'm not sure. Yeah, he is. He is, and that's a funny, funny guy. A lot of people, you know, all the Saturday Night Live. You know Who cares? Okay, right.
0: I mean, right, you right. know,
1: he, it's either going to sink or swim. Guys, experiment. They do. They make a choice. He made a choice. It's either you liked it or you didn't, and you can't. I'm not, right. and not right At this
0: time right now, there's no clubs you can go and work out your new material at no. anyway. It's, it's like right. that's,
1: and, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and he's funny. He said a lot of funny stuff. It's just a lot of people. We're, we're so oversensitive now. And I understand that. I mean, when I think about people today who are protesting and everything, I take, and there's people my age who go, well, what are they protesting about? They've got it better than we, no, they don't have it that much better than we had it. They don't have to get drafted to go to Vietnam. However, uh, they can die from uh, a gas uh, leak like in Northridge. Uh, The water is shit Uh, in in Detroit, in in areas where, I mean, we have corrupt politicians. We don't know if the planet's going to devour itself at this point, the way uh, the air pollution and everything. Um, and so I understand what their what their fears are. And uh, they have the same. F- they have the same fear that we had. Just it's for different reasons. Right. And very Legitimate reasons. And, um, you know, I have police in my family and and first responders, my cousin, John, in Florida. Um, I've talked to him for the first time last year, 55 years. We weren't a strange, we didn't hate each other. We just the families didn't know where the hell we were. We, you know, right, yeah. he was the first responder, his uh Irvington Fire Department. He was the chief there and they first responder on 9-11. Uh my cousin Richard was a uh Richard Marinelli was a detective with Toma on the Newark Police Force. He was the, the New Jersey serpico guy. I mean, it's a law enforcement family, everything. It's the abuse of power. Right. And um uh some guys just don't understand. It's protect and serve, not harass and 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 uh, uh, whatever. I mean, it's uh, and it's it's not all police. There, it's and I hate saying bad apples. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Like, you just need a lot more training. Not Absol- six weeks, yeah. six months, right? Six months. You must know what the laws are, so you don't just pull a guy over because, like the like because his headlights are yellow, which is completely legal. so yeah um yeah so i
0: i can't let the part that you kind of just like you slid over it like so like it was just absolutely nothing is that you were living you grew up in jersey you're kid growing up in jersey but your family owned (laughs) zeros
1: No, no 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 oh no oh okay my uncle sonny defalco was a bag man in oh, the for okay so that's what i meant by my family goes back oh, even okay oh, okay 40s. yeah i was thinking holy crap i no, mean that- I, if they own zeros what the fuck would i be talking to you for look here's the point no kidding.
2: <laughs> well what the fuck are you talking to me for anyway
1: but um well <laughs> no, by the way you got a great show you're a great host i hope i didn't talk over you just that all oh no things,
0: i believe me this has been like a super pleasure for me, an extreme pleasure for me. But so you went out. You were still a teenager when you went out to California then to start stand up, right?
1: I was nineteen. Moved out here with uh, my family, and at first I wanted to be a singer. I want to be a, in music, but uh, that was in seventy four. But by August of seventy five, I saw Freddie Prinze live, open for Helen Reddy at the amphitheater. And we only went to see Freddie Prince. We watched Helen Reddy do a few songs and then we left. And he was amazing. We were sitting in the pit at the old open amphitheater here, it's gone now, it's at Universal Studios. And then uh I saw Richard Pryor at the Schubert Theater that October. I saw him two nights there, and I was just completely blown away by the guy that I've always idled in comedy, Richard Pryor. And I said to myself, I heard about this place, the comedy store. I don't know where or how. But for some reason, it was burned in my head. And I think maybe I'd passed it one night driving down Sunset, you know, sightseeing. And I went there because they said Richard Pryor works out there. So I went there in late October, early November of 75 and started hanging out. And they thought I was a narcotics agent because I was this young kid with an afro. And uh, I had my tennis hat on and I'd come in and, you know, Johnny Witherspoon started going, no, man, let him in. Just let him in free, man. I think he's a knock." (laughs) <laughs> so, and then uh, I was hanging out hanging out, hanging out and then uh, it was like in February of 76 I'd been hanging out for about 3-4 months I started to know some of the comics talked to them and I kept watching and watching and then uh, I was really trying to decide if I wanted to try stand up and I really wanted to I just didn't have no balls Right. Tim, Tim Reed, Venus Flytrap Tim Reed comes in and I'd always been talking to Tim he was a funny stand up he had already been pretty successful with Tim Tom Dreesen as a duo but the duo didn't do well here in California and they broke up and they both oh. became very successful stand-ups and had great careers and uh, uh and Tim walked in one night and I'm sitting there It's a Saturday night and he walks by me and he goes hey man how you doing are you on tonight and i said uh no 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 i'm 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 uh, i'm going on in a, in a week or so i'm, I'm I, I don't know what i said something and he went no no man cuz you're funny and I'm like, he thinks I'm funny and he doesn't. I he, I must look like a comedian. That's the God's honest truth. So wow. two weeks went by and I wrote a little act, and I went in there on a Monday and I stood in line wondering should I be Jerry Allen or Joey Gaynor? Jerry Allen's more Jewish. They may like that. Uh, Joey Gaynor is my name, but Jerry Allen, I kind of like Jerry Allen. Here he is, Jerry Allen. You know, it kind of flows like Marty Allen, Steve Allen, right. you know. So uh, I get up to the table and there's Mitzi. I didn't know she's the owner. And she goes, hi, I'm Nancy. What's your name? Oh, "Oh, here's a drink ticket. You get five minutes. When the light's on Eddie Cantor's picture, you're done. So I went on and uh, I was sitting next to a guy named Leo Rossi, who's become a pretty well-known actor now. And uh, he went on and then I went on and I did a very dirty act. Well, dirty because I said the MF. I I, I motherfucked him for like, I, I beat him into the ground. But I went on stage and I said things like, Uh, The first thing I said was, the lights are bright. Can you turn the lights down? And Mitzi shut the lights off. So now the lights are off. Everybody's laughing. And she turns them back on. That broke the ice. And then I I said, oh, wow, look, all the black people are sitting up front. I thought the stage was in the back. And there was this weird reaction of, oh, and then a laugh. Because, like, oh, this white kid is fucked up. There's something wrong with this guy. I'm this white kid with an Afro skinny little man, 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 man. And I'm doing jokes, and and uh, half the shit I would get, they would crucify me for it. And I did Richard Pryor doing the weather, and I used the N word in it because Richard Pryor used the N word, but I didn't do it. It didn't. I only said it once, which is bad enough. But at the time, see, this is 1976, and I'm right. doing with Pryor, and that's what Richard Pryor did. So yeah. I am not offended, or I'm not, I am not. Uh, uh, if and I still have the tape, and when I did the Pryor thing, there was applause and laughs. It was. It's a, it really is a really funny bit and right. uh, because it there's it, it, nobody. The weatherman didn't make it. The only guy they could get was Richard Pryor. So you got Richard Pryor doing it with, man, you know, uh, the, the smog is going to be so bad in L.A. today. Uh, you motherfuckers with asthma, don't plan on lunch. Don't plan on it. You ain't going to make it, motherfucker. So <laughs> stuff like that. And uh, uh, things like there's a, uh, let's see, there's a, t- a tornado in the Midwest going to kill a lot of motherfuckers, but it's a white tornado. So fuck you, you know. <laughs> okay so uh i come off and mitzi calls me over to the table i thought they're going to throw me out of the joint and she said how long are you doing stand up i said that's the first time i ever went on well you now are wonderful you gotta call in for spots on it and i guess th- i didn't know what i was doing i got thrown to the wolves i was horrible wow. i that, was horrible oh
0: yeah. but that what a what a blessing that is to get mitzi to, to like you right from the it, start uh, <laughs> um you know, you, most people would kill for it, that you know experience just to you know it's welcome. almost like
1: a movie it, it's almost like a movie in 1978 it was like march of 78 i'll never forget this uh my unemployment ran out i had to get a driving job i was miserable and i called the troupador trying to get on between the bands on hootenanny night i called another place another place another place different places where i had been going on every one of them to a person said no joey we don't want you know, i'm sorry man you're just not funny it's just not wow. funny. and mitzi had said to me you're not funny and she wouldn't book me so i you know spite is a very powerful thing george lopez talked about this on wtf and he's right spite is a very powerful thing and i think any success i've had in my life is spite you're going to tell me no watch this watch this right and uh and that's i think the spite factor spurred me on but then i learned i didn't need spite all i had to do was was work right look at it and correct what's wrong but uh but i think she knew what she was doing she she kept uh pushing me out to make me want it so bad i'd work to get it i would do all the right things and that's why i thank landisberg and george miller and mitch walters and uh all my friends back then biff and alan Bursky, uh, uh argus uh, ronnie kitty because they liked me they helped me mold my act and then i was able to start performing at the comedy store
0: what a what a great story man Thank you so much for this night i uh for me' it, this is like you have no idea because uh, I am a uh huge fan uh, of the history of of comedy and always just about every name you mention uh i I have been a fan of at some point a huge fan of so to me to hear these stories it's like uh it, it's just a really nostalgic thing for me in a lot of ways, but really uh I enjoyed it immensely and i know my my
1: audience will so. And I, and I hope they do. And, and, you know, the, uh, people call me and go, you're oh, on no, the showtime. I'm like, showtime wants big names. So you, if it said tonight on the showtime special, Joey Gaynor's t- going to tell you how he stole a bottle of beer from the comedy store. I, no, nobody
0: cares. about it.
1: So uh, it's okay. I'm I, not, I
0: care. But, uh,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, I think the show is really well done. And, uh, I'm enjoying it because I'm seeing footage of stuff from years and years ago, and uh, uh, I'm you know I'm in so many documentaries. Uh, how many? It, it, that it's fine. I I I I. It's it's almost like uh, being able to go and sit, being a stand-up, going to a, a club, and just being able to sit in the back and watch the show, and not have to worry about doing ten minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. I, I I really, get.
1: there's times you feel that way, and and. Uh, and that's what this is for me. I'm enjoying it. I watch it like I watch ancient aliens I'm just enjoying it. And,
0: uh, <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing, it is uh, <laughs> the same thing.
1: <laughs> When they dig up the comedy store, they're going to uncover hmm, the original jokes of the, uh, of, yeah. of the English, you know whatever that. <laughs>
0: well uh we we really got to wrap it up but i i do thank you and uh if you ever get bored and just want to come out and and entertain me for a night please come back and do it because i i enjoy this immensely Uh,
1: anytime anytime um uh matt i i really did enjoy it i hope i didn't uh talk too much but no uh, you
0: you can't possibly talk enough as far (laughs) as i'm
1: concerned I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I really do. Thank you so much for your hospitality and, and, uh, and everything. And to all, of, all of, everyone watching, I just want to say, stay safe. Wear a mask. It's not a political thing. Uh, my brother-in-law died of this
0: shit yeah i, so, I we've lost a lot of people too so same yeah, to you please so. stay safe stay stay well and when you get back working uh let me know I'll, i i definitely okay. want to. when you when you get back to work when it, when things get back to working actually out in comedy oh, yeah. clubs chat, let let me know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i intend to come back there i i have a lot of friends back there and i want to i do want to work the east coast again i i haven't done it in a, in a while obviously with everything
0: so all right it, it, all right
1: it'll be great thank well, you have a,
0: have a great night thank you bye <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% stall-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by Vapor DNA. Founded in 2013, Vapor DNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code OrionQ. Joey Gaynor, man, wow, Uh, fascinating trove of comedy history, comedy store history, uh, and just stand-up in general, and and that whole uh, um, West Coast, um, you know, where comedy clubs uh, of that ilk uh, grew up and and, and became the the thing of the uh late 70s and 80s great history lesson there for me and fabulous stories And you know so many more names i could have asked him about bill hicks is another one i would really love to know more about uh he mentioned steve landersberg a couple of times steve landersberg is one of those guys i think uh underrated people forget about too many names to go, go down that list but uh he knew them all and 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 probably still knows uh any of them that are living uh, but just great to to know all that stuff and for me i you know i couldn't had more i couldn't think of a more fun way to spend a late sunday night so i appreciate uh your time here with us it's a it's running a little late so i'm gonna say good night now uh, i hope you enjoyed this i hope you tell your friends about it and come on back go to my youtube channel and subscribe there go to minddogtv.com so you know when we're gonna have great guests on and questions and comments for me info at minddogtv.com info at minddogtv.com till tomorrow at 1 p.m eastern when my guest will be richard uh Midsen who we're going to talk about journalism he's a journalist out of uh out of the uk and the subject is what went wrong with journalism and you know i know there's a lot of distrust of media people and journalists we're gonna pick that bone to death tomorrow at 1 p.m so join me then Till then i'm matt napo for the mind dog tv podcast i hope you have a great night and thanks for coming and bye for now come
2: on baby won't you dance a little closer Shake it down like a good girl's supposed to Come on, ride me like a wild roller coaster My guns are loaded and I'm reaching for my holster Come on, baby, won't you squeeze a little tighter I want to know if you're a screamer or a biter All I'm looking for is a good all-nighter I go the distance like a good prize fighter Cause this ain't no love song
0: Mike oh, what do you mean You know they never play that on the radio
2: Alright let's try it again Come on baby won't you kiss me like a schoolgirl And make this old man feel like a fool girl. Cause I know that we're breaking all the rules girl How about a little skinny dipping in the pool girl Cause this ain't no love song
0: I'm Short bed You got a stick Is it ram tough? You know what I'm saying Ain't hey, naked in the back of your truck Is that your pickup line? I think it's stalled Maybe you need to jump I think you got a flat Hell, you know what I mean, Bubba
2: Cause this ain't no love song